keys, for God's sake! Hey, bro. Hey, bro, what's going on? No, not much. Another Sunday afternoon. Yes. Actually, you know, last week we were a little delayed. Uh, uh yeah. Yeah, because of some technical difficulties with our friends at Anchor.fm, but that's all right. We got through it. We've got a yeah. whole new system going. It's fantastic. I love this. Yeah, this is uh, very convenient, and um, I would say the only downside is that because I can see your face and you can see mine, right? I can gauge when you're saying something and it's not like you're saying something with your face that doesn't translate obviously to our audio. Right. So there was like once or twice last week where I was like, what, what am I reacting to? And I was like, Oh, I'm reacting to him about to laugh or him about to speak or, or whatever. So I don't know how we fix that, but I, I think we just don't. Yeah. Why worry about it? Life's mm. too short. Like you say. Yeah, I agree. So the thing at the beginning was uh, from a movie, uh, a 2000 film, uh, Finding Forrester. In a second, Arp is going to call the young actor Chris Brown when his name was Rob Brown. I don't know what happens when you get old, but this is an example of it. Uh, starring uh, Sean Connery, Chris Brown, F. Murray Abraham, uh, Anna Panquin, Paquin? Paquin? Paquin. Paquin. And um, a host of others, but a, a gem of a movie, in my my opinion. And so the the idea this week, because, you know, we, we mix it up a little bit, but maybe this will stick. And we love the movies, and we had always thought that we would mix the movies in, is that we're going to take a line from a movie and kind of blow it up and, and you know, think about it a little, little deeper and, and kind of what does it mean, maybe an interpretation or maybe nothing. I, I don't know. But that was the thought. That was the idea. You're looking at me strange. Uh, I am, and the reason is because now is the moment to confess that I have still never seen Finding Forest. Yeah, yeah, you're a you're a turd. Is well, what you are. It's a great well, little movie. You really ought to see it. You know, what's funny is I think being in the writing industry, the writing teaching industry. Yeah, I have a weird relationship to those movies. Mm. Um, so Finding Forrester. Um, what's the one with Michael Douglas? Um, Romancing the Stone? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> falling Down? Um, oh, yeah, Falling no, Down. No, yeah. no, I, I, no. I've uh, never I'm seen of, that movie, no, actually. Falling Down is the one where he, he's like a gunman or whatever. No. Yeah. Um, um, what is that movie with him and, and Tobey Maguire and Katie Holmes? And he's like a creative writing professor who smokes weed. I can't believe I'm... Oh, yes. It's a Michael yeah. Chabon novel. This is how detailed yeah. I can get without getting to the... It, Wonder, it Boys. Is, uh, Wonder Boys. Wonder Boys. That's Wonder it. Boys. Yeah. Robert Downey uh, Jr. is in it, I Robert think. Robert Downey Jr. is in that. Yeah. Um, but so I have a very odd uh, relationship to those sorts of movies, especially um, when I started teaching years later after that, uh, I started realizing the influence of how those sorts of things got people into wanting to take writing classes. So when I first started teaching, anytime you asked a student what, you know, what they were reading, it was all Harry Potter. They all wanted to become writers because J.K. Rowling was nobody, and then suddenly she was somebody. And what's becoming a common theme of this podcast is, you know, people's get-rich-quick schemes. Yeah. And that yeah. was one of them, was people were like, oh, well, J.K. Rowling did it, and she, was, she wasn't famous or anything. And now she's like one of the richest people ever to live on the face of the earth. I can do that. And it's like, no, you really can't. Right. Well, I think that, um, I won't say that uh, Connery's 
portrayal of William Forrester was Oscar worthy, but the movie uh, is a is a again just a gem of a movie, and and I get the whole writing thing. I find it a little strange that that's why. But you know, again, each each man to his own kind of thing. the the re, The reality is, it's it's a great movie. Chris Brown did kind of a walk on role. I think he was an extra, or hmm. he was just in the crowd. And they picked this kid up, and he absolutely uh, does a fantastic job. So this particular scene uh, is when, uh, or just after Chris Brown kind of befriends, and that's a very, very strong word, and he sits down at the typewriter, and you hear him, you know, picking the keys, and uh, Forrester, who's a bit of a, you know, alcoholic, uh, you know, likes his whiskey or his scotch, whatever it is, probably scotch, uh, and and he says these fantastic words, right? Punch the keys, and it's it's just to me, it's a metaphor for something so much larger than him just talking about him punching the keys, uh, because you know, Brown uh, Jamal is the character's name in the movie, kind of starts out just kind of pecking at the keys, mm-hmm. and you know, and you being a typewriter aficionado mm-hmm. that you are. I thought you would, in particular, gravitate towards this line and, and therefore perhaps even to draw you in the movie. And I do remember now you told me before that you had not watched this, strange as that may seem. Uh, it, it, but I'm not against watching it. I just haven't watched it. No, I understand. I understand. Yeah. And, and so the, the whole punch the keys, the, the, the theme of that and, and the, the broadness of it, I think it go, goes in a lot of different directions and so i just throw that out uh it also is a huge i won't say huge it was for a long time uh a meme because the the line after oh no he says this is you're the man now dog and and so it's just got this it's a legend right and there's a whole website yeah oh i didn't know that in the early days of maybe in the 2000s i say uh it was it was whatever those like the initials are you're you're the man now dog yeah uh, ytmnd like yeah. yeah was like a was a website where like uh people would post like images or whatever and then there'd be like sound over it um but that was like the initial that scene was that's why i said oh no because i knew what was coming as soon as you said yeah like a meme i was like oh yeah that's the Sean Connery's hairpiece and <laughs> right. the man now, dog. Right, and, and I mean, obviously, his background, right? For him to say that, um, being a, being kind of a Scot, not being kind of a, but a Scotsman, right? Yeah. Born in 1930, he's turning 90 this year in August, uh, and so, you know, just that that whole uh, mix up, mix, you know, tapes. <laughs> it's just, it's just it adds so much more luster to the movie and to the mm. scene. And you almost wonder if it was ad lib and I, I know it wasn't. Um, well, I don't know that, but it doesn't feel like it was, mm. you know, just because it was such a, a well done scene, but but let's, so this whole concept of punch the keys, right. And his, his kind of bravado with it. And if you watch the scene, you know, he's, he's got a drink in one hand and, he he's getting ready to sit down essentially to fall asleep because um, mm. he's he's a he's kind of a jd salinger character right? he's a recluse and 
Yeah, I, which is why I think you'll you again. I know it's a writing, but but you'll you'll yeah. love the movie uh, if and when you see it. Yeah. So, couple things. I think the first thing that hit me about it was this concept of energy, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you're certainly a, a paid writer, um, a learned one, and I'm kind of a part-time uh, under the cover of darkness writer. And so this this concept of energy and punching the keys, I find very very uh, fascinating. Mm. That you've got to constantly find that energy to write yeah. and ply your art, right? And so I just I throw that out at you as a as a starting point to, you know, energy punch the keys and then you know let's see where that takes us. Uh, my. When when you mentioned it to me uh, yesterday as an idea, and then I, I listened to the audio that you sent, I immediately thought of the scene in Immortal Beloved. Oddly enough, two scenes: one where he goes to test out the new piano, and he it's supposedly that supposedly that he's alone, and uh, he being Beethoven for those yeah not familiar. yeah um, Ludwig yeah yeah he played wonderfully by Gary Oldman. Um, the first thing he does is he just smashes all the keys at once. And he's got his head down on the piano because he's yeah. He's well, a minute later, by the... yeah, he he does yeah. that in like a minute. But the first thing he does when he steps in is he smashes all the keys, and everyone's like, "Oh God!" Like he's clearly deaf because he can't hear it. Yeah, and it's like no, he's actually pushing the. He's testing the machine that is the piano, like an ancient yeah. machine. I mean, with you know hammers and strings, he's pushing the machine to its limits to test it. And, and sometimes I, I, I feel like I immediately connected those two scenes, not because of the pound part, but be the, but because the tone in Connery's voice has that same, you need to test the machine, whether that Mm -hmm. machine is you as machine or as, you know, the exercise that you're doing or whatever. Um, even still, sometimes I, I, maybe because that, you know, the, the immortal beloved thing is like consciously in there. Anytime I pick up like a guitar for the first time of the day i'll just take it and just ram my fingers right across and just make absolutely no like terrible noise just be like let's just get this out and like let's then let's go um or sometimes when i sit down to like write for the day and i uh, uh speaking of think technology that i like writing with is is pens fountain pens mm-hmm. um you know i'll just kind of just really quickly just like scribble on the page and you should see the uh, look on his face right there kids (laughs) (laughs) all the shaking jowls um but uh you know sometimes you just really have to like uh like dig in a little bit um i I imagine it's like batting practice or something where you know you you gotta like warm yourself up yeah um and I, i felt like that was the scene i um i i did did know little bits about the movie um, but it sounds like I have a homework assignment. I should definitely try to find it, um, now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was wondering if you could, I mean, you've given a little bit of context, but is he, is he trying to get him to kind of lean into it? Is he trying to get yeah. him to like awaken? Okay. Yeah. I, I, and that's where I think that, that that's a great word, by the way, this concept of awaken, right? So there's this energy and, and he, he he starts to realize, and and I think Brown Jamal, uh, Chris Brown Jamal, I forget Jamal's last name in the movie, but he he's this uh, 
sort of Cinderella story writer from an underprivileged uh, life uh, gets recruited in to play basketball mm-hmm. uh, into this prep school and uh, is trying to you know make things happen and, and try to get along with all the all the all the kids there and so yeah he's he's this this awakening of you know if you're gonna write do it with some gusto you know find your inner voice find that energy find that uh, motivation that drive don't do it half ass right yeah. that that's i think on the face of it that's that's what it is and so you know i think we all can relate to that in some way whether it's writing or our work or our family or our community or whatever it might be but that's his kind of you know because then he he goes on in his sort of very sean connery voice right and after he changes his after jamal changes his composure and, and starts to punch the keys he 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 yells out from the other room you know yes yes this and and you you hear almost an echo to yeah. him punching the keys you hear that same mm. in in Connery's voice which is again one of my favorite scenes and of course now it's become an urban legend so yeah uh, and, and and I think generations after this will obviously uh, <laughs> know and love that scene for what it is so. sure it'll it'll Sean Connery's life will boil down to the 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 murder scene in Untouchables and You're the Man Now, Doc. Right. That'll be it. He won an Oscar for that. Yeah. He did. Um, but I was, I was, that kind of actually nicely brings me to the second scene from Immortal Beloved that I was thinking of when he's teaching and he can barely hear mm-hmm. and he's sort of not paying attention to the young woman playing and she gets frustrated and she starts hitting the keys really hard and he's like, the mistake is nothing. Mistakes happen. You're going to make mistakes. It's that you, you is that you're doing it without concern or care for what you're trying to do. Um, and I feel like it's the same sort of uh, relationship there where he's attempting to say, you have to get better by doing it, but you really need to put yourself into doing it. Um, we've had sort of, this is kind of an odd tangent maybe, there's been this kid who's been during uh, covid uh, practicing his trumpet outside in our uh, neighborhood here. Uh, and it's kind of annoying after a while, but he does it for like a really long time. Like he's out there and he's practicing and he's making mistakes and there are parts that sound terrible, but he's out there, you know, every couple days really playing, like mm-hmm. really out there for hours. And sometimes mm-hmm. he's just doing scales for hours it's like, you know what? You just, you know, keep going. Like, yeah. I, I don't care if you annoy everybody in the neighborhood. I don't care if I can't get my own recording done because everything's just trumpet and geese. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but it's like, uh, you know, keep going. Like, if you really have a passion for it, like, don't let some jerk who you're never going to meet certainly stop you. Uh, and if your parents have sent you outside... Um, to get away from them, then, you know, all the better, like go out and, and play, uh, if that's your passion to do it. It's not like his passion is like, you know, harming people. It's, it's 
creating music, which is just about as good as it gets as far as I'm concerned. Um, but you're right. I, I think this is, again, sort of becoming a, a theme for us is like how to find that thing which is, um, you know, which drives us um, as individuals, as people trying to survive on this planet. And um, uh, obviously, besides Sean Connery, of course, so that's number one, I assume for most people is, you know, just watching old Sean Connery movies now. But, you know, I... I don't know. I, I it does sound like the kind of thing I should at least check out. Certainly, um, movie wise. Um, yeah, yeah, I would highly recommend it. Uh, certainly, I mean, you know, it gets my vote, and the the and, and the story is is just a good story. Um, interestingly enough, it was a it was an expensive movie for two thousand. <laughs> it was. Speed. It looked like it was filmed in about a day and a half. <laughs> Um, not because it it looks bad but just there's like no special effects there's no green screens Mm. there's no nothing right there's just the the words and the acting and the scenes right so just very 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 much a play Mm -hmm. and cost 40 million dollars back in 2000 (laughs) and and so my guess is that most of that was for mr connery's salary is again what i'm guessing and it made 80 million so it made money and but it just doesn't seem like for what you got there you're you're talking about 40 million because it seems like now you you spend 150 or 200 million dollars and you've got like all these you know dazzling effects and yeah and, and all this other stuff and so the, the 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 connective tissue there is is that that particular scene in that particular movie at that particular price, not that I thought about it then and only think about it now because it's somewhat interesting. Yeah. It resonates more with me than some of this sort of thumbtack cinemascape that you see, you know, yeah. <laughs> just every three months or two months someone puts up another FX thriller. Yeah. And it 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 doesn't resonate except for some good strong macho esque line that's in there and you you go on down the road again. I'm sure you know uh, most folks would look at this and go, "Wow, you know, poop, you know, he's you know haughty toddy and high and you yeah. know and all that sort of stuff." And I get that, and and I am. Yeah. All those things. So I mean that that, <laughs> that that's and that you've raised me the same way. So that's right. Similar. That's yeah. right. And I I did. We're like we're like wolves. <laughs> um, the 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 other piece that I think is interesting that if you go beyond the context of just that scene, and you've you've mentioned it here along the way, is this whole notion of passion. Yeah. And you know I think it's energy is one thing passion is another and it's also something we've been talking about and how do you find it when do you find it what do you do with it and how do you sustain it and i think some would argue that it's almost self-sustaining that once you find that thing yeah you know your setting your typewriter your you know the wall in front of you and you're okay looking at that wall just like i'm looking at this wall going, I could do this every day the rest of my life and find whatever comes of that. 
that element or aspect of punch the keys is something that I think needs more examination and more inclusion in the way we educate our young folks. Mm. Uh, it's just, it doesn't seem like Amish to me that it's, it's made obvious to them that, Hey, you need to go do this. You know, remember back in, I was middle school or high school. You used to take those tests and it would tell you whether you were going to be like a baker or a painter or a banker or a fireman or whatever. <laughs> yes. And you, you know, you took these tests and, which, which, and we all kind of paid lip service to it because if it was pointing out something that wasn't going to make you any money, your parents didn't want to hear about it. Yeah. Right. Even though it may have represented, I don't know how it went through that process and what the algorithms were. <sighs> But that component, I think, is, is missing. What is it that when you sit down that you're going to punch the keys each and every day with whatever it is you're planning on doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, think, uh, I think we've kind of discussed this a little bit as well, which is good. Uh, I like coming back to topics. But, um, you know, I think we're kind of how often do we really get the opportunity to find out? And the funny, I, I was thinking about those, uh, tests. Um, obviously now that you mention it, um, the great scene in office space where he's like, you know, whenever I would take those tests, they never really told me anything. Uh, and the other guy who's, uh, Michael Bolton is mashing away at the printer. He's like, he's like, obviously, cause those tests are bullshit to begin with. Because who would clean up shit for a living? I'm quoting now, so it's fine to swear. Um, right. But it's uh, it's like no no one would do those things. No one would do a terrible job. They're they're designed to tell you to follow some kind of passion based on some kind of personality type. I don't know. What did you did did you get actuarialists or you know that seems like that'd no, be a I, weird choice. I, I don't remember. No, I don't no. remember. I always um, got I always got like attorney, which you know was was definitely a thing I wanted to do for a long time and now I'm so glad that I didn't I, I, I don't remember uh, you know again hindsight being what it is and the care that you want to take with the next generations and yeah you know um, some would argue that if you're over 25 or 30 you're lost anyway you've lost <laughs> your opportunity yeah. to sure to make those kinds of changes and and, you know, then we inevitably we chalk it up to, well, I'm, I'm going to make a, a 180 degree turn or a 90 degree turn when I'm 50. And we call it a midlife crisis. And we say that that's fine. Yeah. And you end up losing everything that you have an obligation to take with you right? Hmm. up or down. And so but it, the, the it's almost like you need a, a class or uh, uh, or something in the 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 study in the course it, it yeah. needs to be you know it needs to be drawn out I think that all right you're gonna be doing this for the next 50 years <laughs> whatever it is and if you don't know now that's fine but what we want to do is help you understand how you go about, understanding who you are what you are what you want to do passion is such an overused term but you know yeah. what you're passionate about and it's not there it's missing 
is what I'm saying. And, and I think that it needs to be, you know, Mr. Connery's advice, Mr. Forrester in the movie, is timed well because in this particular scene, you know, uh, Jamal is in high school, which mm. is the perfect age. And he's there kind of as a mentor and as a role, a role model, mentor, same thing, of, you know, you've got this thing. Don't sit on your laurels. Yeah. Right? Go after it with gusto. Yeah. And, you know, uh, again, the, the undercurrent of, of writing and, and being an author and all that is in there as well. And gosh, if I had only had that, right? So part of it maybe it's not regret, but I'm like, wow, if I'd only had that back then, what would have happened coming forward? Yeah. And instead of no, instead of figuring it out, uh, and not really figuring it out, but having it slap you in the face when you were 35 or 40, going, man, did you muck it up? Right. That was it with an M, by the way. Ma, 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 get up. Uh, this whole time. Yeah. And again, not that I don't love what I do and what I've become and all that good stuff, but they're just... Uh, and I think the world would be very different, right? Because people would go, well, I don't want to go and work on Wall Street or mm. push paper or do whatever, right? Yeah. Um, I want to do this thing over here and... And perhaps that's not going to earn me as much money, God forbid, but it's it's going to help fulfill me, right? I'm going to reach that that state that I want to get to. Um, there's a there's a great line in Mad Men, which um, it's a wonderful TV series. Uh, uh, one of one of his wives, I think, I guess is third wife or whatever is in bed and she's crying about her sort of career and she's trying to become an actress and her mother is there and she's like we, we can't have everyone going off and doing what they want the world could not support that many ballerinas um which i think is kind of a the opposite end that like well on one hand yes we do need people to be able to follow their passions and and i i uh you know it's great but obviously we also need people to do sort of other labor in society. Um, and it kind of brings me back to what you're saying is we need to help people in education find those things. And I agree with you. Um, the problem is when it was, when it was that way, it was limited basically to like white wealthy males that it was like, well, those people need to go find their passion. The rest of you need to go and work in mines and, you know, support the economy so that those people can sit around and, you know, think up the big th things, um, which, you know, I think uh, is kind of funny coming, considering our sort of caste background as well, right? That, you know, oh, yeah. people of lower caste should go and just... work really hard so that the Brahmins can sit around and, and pray and, and do whatever, you know, thing yeah. that they want to do. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, we were just having the conversation with a, a relative earlier today, and, and he's a professor, and... You know, so we were talking about something. Did you talk to Orjit Bay? No. Wow. Oh. No. Uh, and you, you don't know this individual. And so he was wow. saying, you know, how our cast, you know, has for the longest time been in the education business or the administrative business, right? Yeah. And helping and really being 
kind of the second layer down, helping uh, militarists and all these other folks do what they need to do, but kind of in the background, right? Yeah. Uh, scholarly and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And, and so in his mind, he's in the perfect role. Right, because mm-hmm. he's a professor. His wife's a professor. His brother's a professor. His sister-in-law's a professor. I mean, it, it's just crazy. Mm. And you know, the the they are very passionate about it. You know, and so, but then it also happens to line up with what they believe their hor- their heritage mm. foretold or expects of them. Mm. And again. All can be argued, but it's interesting that we had that conversation just today yeah. uh, about that very topic. Mm. And so it, it, you know, it stands to reason to me that the world could give two craps about us. If you look at the world, right? It, yeah. it does not care. We, we think the world could not survive without us, and that's nothing could be further from the truth, right? I mean, the world will go on. In fact, it's probably improved in the last 45 to 60 It has, it really has. not been messing it up. Right? Yeah, yeah. Everything's, the carbon emissions and everything is like way down. Yeah, and, and the noise and, and everything else, right? So it, it could care less, but I think what's more telling than that is that, as you described it, the world... The, the the humans know yeah if everyone had i think here's a hypothesis or a theory if everyone would have adjusted their lifestyles to match up and oh by the way we didn't commandeer others lifestyles for the benefit of our own <laughs> the world as we know it would have adjusted and we wouldn't have gone off and had so many kids and built so many things i think there would have been a natural equilibrium homeostasis whatever you want to call it that would have settled in and there'd probably be that it'd still probably be billions of folks but maybe it'd be two billion instead of seven billion yeah you know we would have we would have adjusted because we would have known our limits and now we live in this you know punch to keys for us means just as you said, you know, everyone wants to be a ballerina. That'd be great if everybody wanted to be a ballerina, but now everybody wants to be uh, a, a, a raider, right? Some kind <laughs> of, you know, yeah. uh, stock market raider or, um, and again, nothing wrong with that, but it's just, we just continue to to want and want and want and want. And where is that going to lead us? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, um, one of the uh, one of my favorite parts in in working on my uh, <coughs> dissertation <coughs> um, was uh, <laughs> Doctor <Drew Eddie. laughs> um, was was the note was a, a brief paragraph I think probably where I, I I said it seems like we've replaced the notion of improving ourselves in a cultural sense with improving like signifying quality of life based on what we own, uh, like material versus immaterial things. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer is and I don't know without, and and the, the scary thing is without some kind of global catastrophe, et cetera, there's no going back. 
uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit at the end of last week, that, that without some kind of big event, there's no return mm. to mm. an ideal time or anything like that. So the only hope, uh, you know, either, uh, obviously we, we don't want to hope that something bad happens, but ultimately we're going to have to learn to live with the kind of technological advances. At some point we're going to have to understand that they're kind of hollow and that they need to be tools and not the end goal. Um, and, and that's, it doesn't seem unlikely to me, but again, I feel like it's going to take a lot of work that right now in 2020, you and I can't see that maybe in five, six, seven, eight hundred years, a thousand years, maybe humanity will have moved on. Surely nobody in the year 1000 could have predicted what the world would be like now. Um, so there's no way for us to really guess, um, obviously what the future holds in that way. And, and it doesn't really matter to us cause we'll be long dead. Uh, right. thank God. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what the end, you know, what the next sort of stage of development is other than hoping that we somehow manage to harness our kind of collective knowledge that we seem to be inventing constantly and, and, actually use it to improve life rather than continuing to create this, you know, trillionaire class over here and, um, you know, sort of labor class on the other side. Uh, real quick on that note, uh, one of the things I've been thinking a lot, a lot lately is probably a book that you read in uh, high school, I, I know I did, which was... Um, the Time Machine by H.G. Wells. Mm -hmm. I remember and if, well. if you recall in that book, when he goes to the, the far future, he comes across a young woman who's just basically human, but is sort of dumbed down, kind of not really able to communicate very well. And then he finds out at night that there are these sort of monsters that are living, you know, in the world of the dark that have to do all the sort of dirty labor of society. Uh, and that seems more and more, it's like, wow, H.G. Wells almost kind of really did predict the future <coughs> of capitalism. <coughs> um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> as I, I didn't even see, but I assumed you rolled your eyes. Um, <laughs> I didn't. But, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but I, it's, it's weird to me that it seems like that divide is becoming greater and greater. And uh, we have to fix that. We have to fix that divide at some point. Yeah, I, I think our, our cruelest enemy, as uh, the Pogo cartoon says, is ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see the enemy and the enemy is us, right? I think is yeah. how the, the, the cartoon goes. And the, the, the whole concept of kind of circling back before we get to this week's question about, you know, punch the keys is what are you going to do with your energy? Where are you going to place it? To what level are you going to place it? And um, not telling you to do anything with it. Uh, yeah. But I, I think that that's what that that particular scene in that particular movie that I saw. I don't know what I saw. I don't think I saw it when it first came out. But it wasn't too far yeah. off. Uh, has had a profound impact uh, on me. So mm. you know that I guess we'll leave we'll leave that there. Mm. So question of the week, I think it's my turn. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's a you're you're um, you're you're a, a bit of a sportsman compared to me. <laughs> sure. 
in, not in not athletic listener. Not, not athletic. athletic. Right, right, right. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> a sports fan. A sports fan. Yeah. And so my question to you is, you know, with the the change in the environment and uh, the, the situation outside, what are you going to do this year? No baseball. No. Um, College football is up in the air. Yeah. Probably not going to happen, certainly in the traditional f- way that it's it's happened all these years. What are you going to do? Um, that's a, a good question, but ultimately a really easy one to answer, which is uh, the thing that I never did, as much as I enjoy it, is it, it doesn't take up a lot of my time. Um, you know, baseball during the summer months was like every couple days, you know, maybe throw on a game if it's on. Um, I don't subscribe to like MLB TV or anything, so it wasn't like obsessing over watching. Yeah. Uh, but it was like checking numbers every few days, um, just to see how things were going because, you know, baseball season's long. Um, and then college football was like every Saturday you lose the day, right? Like, and, and, and the part of that enjoyment was like getting up, you have, and there's like the food thing that goes with it. Um, you know, the sort of fun thing I, back when uh, we used to live in normal, I mean, I had my, my friends that we would just watch football from like 11 AM until 1 AM or whatever, you know, just all day. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, it's, it is a weird thought. I'm, I'd rather we go without, I should say that, that, that for the sake of people's safety, I don't think we need to be sending people out, um, to play sports just to have something to do. Like if you can't find, if, if you can't find something to do on your own time because sports aren't on TV, you have a much bigger problem than sports not being on TV. Um, that said, I am totally rewatching Ken Burns baseball, the uh, <laughs> early '90s documentary, um, yes. which is great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, John Chancellor narrated, if you remember John Chancellor. I remember John. So it's a lot of fun to watch. I, I've seen and it before. The, uh, iconic uh, newsman of the oh, age. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a lot of great interviews on there. Um, so I've been watching that as a as a sort of replacement for baseball. Like I'm I'm missing it a little bit because now, like April May, you can kind of get excited. You know, the Braves haven't completely destroyed their season yet. Um, you know, there's a little bit of, like, something good going on. So I was like, oh, I'll watch it. It'll be fine. And, you know, the episodes are long. You throw it on. You kind of read or do something else in the middle. You're not fully paying attention. Um, I don't know. College football in the fall will be very different. Because uh, that was, like, every Saturday. Like, that's, you know, my wife and I every Saturday sat down and watched football. And it was like the kind of thing where in the old days you'd take the phone off the ringer. Um, and like, you know, right. I'm not taking, I'm not taking any calls today. I don't right. care if anyone passes away, tell me on Sunday, like, you know, it's fine. Um, I can't do anything about it. So, uh, because they're dead. Because right. they're, they're, they're gone. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Although right now I'm so so feeling like I have no idea what day of the week it is anyway, mm-hmm. um, that I'm not sure that I'm going to be like, oh, is today Saturday? Oh, we're missing Georgia football today. Um, yeah, I don't know. It it is it is a thing that's like a way to mark the weeks uh, in the fall. Um, for me, certainly, uh, that we you know it's it's the thing that we do. 
Um, even if you're, again, not paying attention fully, doing something else in the middle of it. Um, you know, it, in the past, it's been like a social thing. Um, yeah, I, I'll be curious to see as well. I, I think it's just going to be kind of, it's going to feel empty. Uh, it's going to feel a little sadder. On the other hand, I can't be heartbroken. Uh, my teams, uh, as they have traditionally done, cannot destroy me in the ways that they've done in the past. We won't <laughs> get to the weekend around my birthday with uh, with Georgia playing the SEC championship game for them to lose. Like, that right. can't happen if there's no football. So, That's right. so on one so hand... it's an avoidance strategy. Yes, it's... it's uh, you know, the Braves are on are having an amazing season this year. Uh, because they haven't they haven't played, so right. it's looking good. Um, somebody yeah. asked what would happen if they start after first of July, and it's an eighty-two game season. It was like they usually do pretty good for eighty-two games most seasons. So, right. and and then the sad part is the playoffs will still be the same, and they'll still lose. So, right. you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, 